A young girl from Shally, Idaho, went missing after she'd spent the day bowling with a group of friends. Even though she was just nine years old, Stephanie Crane was allowed to walk around the town without the supervision of her parents. After all, Shally was, and still is, a very tight-knit community. However, after Stephanie left the bowling alley that day, she's never been seen or heard from again. Various clues and tips have poured into the local police department, including a tip from a woman who claimed to have heard Stephanie screaming for help from a man's basement. Despite all of this, though, Stephanie has never been located and remains a missing person. So I don't have access to my regular backdrop today, so we're just going to have to deal with an attic backdrop for now, but that's okay, so let's just get right into it. Stephanie Crane was born in September of 1984 and was the oldest of four young girls who'd been born to Ben and Sandy Crane. She never fit in well with the other girls her age, as she had a love for sports and the outdoors, something that many of her peers saw as a little bit unusual for such a young girl. She and her father got along great, though. While the other girls stayed much closer to their mother, Stephanie would spend countless hours fishing and hunting with her father, and it seemed like the two couldn't manage to spend too much time together. Shally, Idaho was known for being a very small town with hardly anything to do. It was a picturesque mountain town with a population of less than 1,000. At the time, it was the type of town where everyone knew everyone, and people weren't afraid to leave their doors open and unlocked and let their children spend hours outside every day without supervision. After all, the town was incredibly safe, or so the residents thought. No one had any idea that the small town would soon be caught up in one of the most strange and frustrating cold cases in Idaho state history. On October 11th, 1993, Stephanie Crane was heading out to spend the day with her friends at the local bowling alley. A parent of one of these friends was scheduled to be there that day to make sure the kids didn't get into trouble. The group would spend most of the day at the bowling alley, leaving at around 4.45 that afternoon. The mother, who was watching over the kids that day, helped round up all the children and offered to drive Stephanie home. Stephanie declined this ride and explained that she needed to walk back to the school so that she could pick up her bag. She was witnessed by several people walking along Highway 93 headed toward the school. When she was spotted along the highway, witnesses say that she was wearing a maroon outfit with the word Gimme printed on the front of her shirt. Even though she was seen walking towards the school, no one knows for sure whether she actually made it all the way there. That's because after a handful of witness sightings, Stephanie was never seen again and her unsolved case would soon begin. At around 8.45 p.m., Stephanie's mother, Sandy, began to wonder why she hadn't returned home. She began calling around to several of her friends and relatives, but no one had seen her. At this point, her mother knew that something was wrong and decided to call the police to report Stephanie missing. Police had already rounded up a search team by 9 p.m. that evening, and they began searching every square inch of the town, hoping that Stephanie had either gotten lost or had wandered off into the wilderness. The search included a team of sniffer dogs, diving teams, FBI agents, dozens of volunteers, and many other investigators. However, despite searching until 12.30 the next day, they found no trace of her. More than 7,000 square miles of land was searched, but not a single clue was found. Police soon learned about Stephanie's trek to the school and began to focus their investigation there. They became aware of a yellow pickup truck with red stripes that was parked out front of the school 
but we don't know for sure if this truck was actually involved in the incident or not. Residents mentioned that a soccer game had been going on at the school that evening, with many people thinking that Stephanie may have attended the game. However, no one who watched the game that night reported seeing her there, though some witnesses did report seeing a man that they didn't recognize watching the children that night. Police believe that this yellow pickup truck may have belonged to this man, but they never confirmed this theory. Police began searching through local records of every single vehicle that had been registered in the city of Shally. It didn't take long at all for them to realize that no resident of Shally had a truck that matched this description, confirming that the truck must have been from out of town and strengthening the theory that this unknown man should not have been around children that evening. No one knew this guy or knew why he was fixated on a children's soccer game. Less than a year after Stephanie went missing, her parents decided to get a divorce. This was finalized in July of 1994, with Sandy moving to Reno and her husband Ben remaining in town to care for the remaining three children, all of whom he had sole custody of. By 1997, police found their first suspect, a man named Keith, who seemed to fit the description of the man who had been seen at the soccer game that evening. The man was brought in for questioning, and officers realized that his truck also matched the one that was seen at the school that night that she vanished. However, after a very thorough investigation, the man was cleared of any involvement and was free to go. If we fast forward another three years to the year 2000, the case had really begun to heat up. Much like this attic, officers were informed by an inmate that he may have details regarding Stephanie's disappearance. His girlfriend had been renting a room from a man in Nampa, Idaho, about four hours away from Shally. According to the girlfriend, she'd been staying in this building for quite a while and would repeatedly hear the sounds of a little girl crying in the basement. She had asked the man about this before, and he explained that the young girl was his daughter. He claimed that when she would misbehave, he would punish her by placing her in the basement for time out. However, as far as the woman knew, the man had never mentioned a daughter before, nor did he ever mention any sort of relationship that may have spawned a child. The woman also claimed that the man kept the basement locked and that no one was allowed to go inside or go near the basement door. This report definitely began to raise a few red flags for police, so they followed up on the lead and brought the man in for questioning. Considering this is still an open investigation, the man's name has never been publicly revealed. However, when officers searched his home, they found blood in the basement as well as human hair. Unfortunately, we don't know for sure whether or not the blood was human as it was way too far degraded to get an accurate analysis. The hair also did not have a follicle attached to it, so DNA was not available. Unfortunately, because of this, the man couldn't be arrested. Officers simply didn't have enough evidence to convict him. The landlord was ultimately set free and no charges were placed against him. By 2002, the case received another update when it was reported that the original suspect, Keith, was once again being examined as a suspect. According to this report, Keith was caught in a high-speed chase with officers, during which he fired at an officer and claimed the life of his officer's dog, wounding the officer in the process. Unfortunately, Keith lost his life at the end of it all, meaning police didn't have a chance to question him further about Stephanie's disappearance. Though, what brings this situation full circle? is that Keith was on the run after police had reason to believe that he was involved in another case involving a missing girl who he had kidnapped and taken advantage of. By 2016, the case was still unsolved, and police were once again investigating the landlord who owned the home in which the blood was found in the basement. 
As far as we know, he's the prime suspect in this case, and police are actively testing the evidence found at the scene of the crime once again to try to determine whether this evidence belonged to Stephanie. Unfortunately, at the moment, the technology that's available to officers simply isn't good enough to determine this. The DNA, as we mentioned a moment ago, has just degraded too much over the last few years. So the possibility of this case reaching a happy conclusion is becoming less and less likely. To make things even worse, Stephanie's mother passed away in 1996 due to an unknown illness. She never managed to find out what happened to her daughter. Stephanie's father also passed away later on in 2012. If still alive today, Stephanie would be just 36 years old. Unfortunately though, this is where the case leaves us. Since 2016, there have been no additional updates in the unsolved case, and Stephanie Crane remains a missing person. But that's the video for today, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to hit that like button. If you loved it, maybe consider sharing, subscribing, or clicking that blue join button below to really show your support for the channel. But I've been Ty Knotts, and I'll catch you guys in the next video after I get out of this extremely hot attic.